Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of MA Architects Make It Innovative, featuring deep dive discussions on the world of innovation as it relates to the built environment. I am Mark Bryan, the Director of Innovation and Research for MA Architects, a certified futurist and a designer here for MA Architects. And I am so thrilled to be talking about what is going to be happening today. Oh, I could not agree with you more. This is literally having energy pulse through my body already. I'm Sam Muller, you guys, the Director of Strategic Communications for MA, and I am a guru on all things of human behaviors, well-being, and mental health. And on this episode, you guys, just be prepared. I know we've talked about mental health before, we've talked about resiliency before, but we're going to take it to the next level because we're going to be talking about what's happened after the pandemic and how we can prepare for the roaring 20s. I love it. Mark, as a futurist, I think one of the most interesting things he has shared with me is the best way to predict the future is by evaluating the past. And if we think about, you know, the pandemic in 1918, and then the Roaring Twenties that were to follow and all of that amazing, amazing evolution and all of the things that, that stemmed from that. And then we think about now and our version of the Roaring Twenties. I am excited. So today's topic is really going to talk about how to deal and heal from stress and build resiliency so that you too can be prepared for the Roaring Twenties. And we have the best person on the planet here to talk to you about that. I can't even handle my level of excitement. Not only is she such an incredible healer recognized throughout the city of Columbus for a lot of different modalities that she's licensed and recognized in. She's a very dear friend of mine and quite possibly one of the most interesting people I know. I am so excited to introduce you guys to Marina Zaran. She is a meditation leader, a yoga instructor, licensed Ayurvedic practitioner. If you guys don't know what that is, that's the Indian equivalent of Chinese medicine loosely. She's also involved with brand strategy and development for Alchemy Brands. It's the cafes that are in Grandview and on Parsons Avenue, as well as their meal prep service. Alchemy is a collection of wellness-inspired food concepts, including those fast casual cafes we all know and love, prepared meals, and nutrition services. And she's also a practitioner at Paloma, a one-stop destination to nurture and nourish your body inside and out, including energy healing services, meditation classes led by yours truly, Marina, sound baths, massage, or photography, ear seating, and so much more. It is the next level wave of healthcare in a way that is really, really centric in healing modalities that are more driven by energy and some more ancient practices that have been around for thousands of years. So really interesting things to explore, to consider, and to hopefully, if nothing else, learn from and really have great conversation around. Sam, you just named some of my top favorite things about Columbus. So having this episode is going to be great. So welcome, Marina, to our show. Thank you. You know, it's it's so funny when people ask me on a daily basis, what do you do? What do you do? And to list all of those things off, sometimes people's like eyes roll in the back of their head because they're like, what is this? What is that? Meditation, yoga, Ayurveda. Now we're talking ancient medicine into brand strategy. So I appreciate the very thorough introduction oh, you just, just gave me. <laughs> that was like the Reader's Digest version too, because she also has her own product line that she just launched this year in light of the pandemic. And it really responds to a lot of the things that people are dealing with, including adrenal fatigue, which we'll get into and, and talk about. But it's a lot of different all natural solutions and supplements to really serve the body and really prep you for your optimal health. So we'll talk about all of that. I just needed to try and keep it kind of short, but she's, I mean, a lot of other amazing things. But these are the ones that apply, especially to these healing modalities. I'm so excited to talk with you today. And my favorite thing that that you said in that intro was the Roaring Twenties, because I think that we're talking so much about the current um, political, social, economic, economic, environmental landscape right now. And for a lot of people, that's a very gloom and doom subject. 
And someone like me and someone like yourself, Sam, rooting something in the positive potential kinetic impact that we're holding, we can change potential energy into kinetic energy, allowing something to stir and to marinate into hopefully the summation of something even better. That's why I am so excited to be here because you guys are looking, you guys are forward thinkers. You want to create solutions that make people feel better. You're not trying to like place blame or um, create more conflict in the hearts and the minds of, of the people in the community. So I'm, I'm so excited to talk about all things immunity. Oh, that rhymed. That's an intro. <laughs> Poetic. It's unbelievable. And this is truly, I mean, knowing you as well as I do, it is really your state of being. It is not some presentation that you're sharing with this podcast. That is really where your truth comes and where your heart speaks from. You're amazing. So now that people know about you professionally and what you do in that capacity, we want to share with our listeners a little bit more about you personally. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Let's Let's go. If you had a spontaneous day off, what is the first thing you would do? I would get up and I would do my full-blown morning routine with cutting out nothing. I would do everything, and that would include getting up, drinking all my water, a full meditation practice, a full journal practice, a full yoga practice, and like a, a good feeling into all of those, like really expressing myself within those movements. Then I would do my skincare routine because I am getting older, and it turns out that I love skincare. It's a rite I love of passage. spoiling myself in that way. Um, and then I would make breakfast, a beautiful breakfast, because I think that the morning is the most cherished time of the day. In um, the Rishis, the, the folks that created yoga, they say that the veil of the ego is the thinnest in the morning. And that's oftentimes why when we wake up, we feel this sense of easefulness. And that's why a lot of times it's easier to meditate in the morning, to do these um, exploratory practices, to do these mindful-based practices and therapies in the morning. Because we haven't quite awakened the thinking mind, the ego-based mind. And so if I could just relish in every morning, and I'd really try my best to do so, but we know we have busy schedules. I would just relish in every moment in the morning, finish off with reading a book, sitting in the sun. That, that is like the creme de la creme for me. I, I think you it. could sell that right there. Like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. so can you do a minute by minute of what I need to do and what I'm cooking at like nine o'clock in the morning so exactly. that way I can just follow practice with Marina? Exactly. I also just want to hear you keep talking. It's so cathartic to me. All right, Marina, what is the best thing that has happened to you this year? The best thing that's happened to me this year I have spent an exorbitant amount of time slowing down physical practices, the doing. I love to do, but the problem is, is I love to do sometimes for the sake of checking it off a list and moving so quickly without intention, without listening to the response of myself mentally, physically, and the people around me. And that's not the most genuine way to go about your day. So I've spent a lot more time in self-reflection, identifying my needs, what I need, and um, maybe pulling back on some of those subscriptions to specific diets, specific schedules, specific social outings, things that we feel that are almost mandatory, obligatory expectations that we put upon ourselves um, or our, the society at hand to do all of these things. So I've spent a lot of time with myself and it's been um, a blessing 
a blessing. And out of it comes great wisdom and inspiration, cultivation of different passion projects. Like I started learning Arabic over quarantine and like I dove in deep and Yes, I'm learning a language, but it's also taught me so much about interaction with different types of people. Um, my father's an immigrant, so I've always wanted to learn Arabic for our relationship, and he actually doesn't even know that I'm learning it. I'm going to wait until I'm like full-blown fluent to talk to him about it. But doing things um, like that, committing time to myself, for myself, by myself. I love that so much. So many lessons to be learned. Last question from me. Best way to decompress? I think it's going to be different for everybody. I think it's different depending on the morning, the middle of the day, and the evening. So I'm going to answer this in a three-part <laughs> series. I'm here for it. <laughs> in the morning, I really find the best way to decompress is to um, sit in silence. There's this beautiful quote that um, was from Naval. I'm forgetting his last name, but he's a fantastic um, business developer. And he said, I feel like most problems within man would dissolve if we were able to sit in silence with ourselves for 15 minutes a day. Couldn't agree more. Morning is the easiest time to do that. You're going to get the less resistance from your body and from your mind because you've been resting. The hips may not hurt as much. The the ankles, the back are going to be a little bit more rested. So in the morning time, meditation. In the afternoon, going outside, interacting with nature is so important because (laughs) I feel like our ability to interact with our direct environment has lessened so significantly over the course of, I don't know, 50 years or so. And to be in the present moment is to experience the five senses, what you see, what you smell, what you taste, what you touch, what you hear, what you're interacting with. And what a better way to do that to, than to implement yourself in nature around you, to feel the breeze of the wind, the, the warmth of the sun on your skin, or to feel the cold wind pressing on the face, and so on and so forth. So midday walks, also especially for if we're hitting more on the physiological realm, I'm all about circulation and stimulation of the circulatory system, of the lymphatic system, and movement is a precursor to supporting the stimulation of circulation of the blood and the lymph in the body. So midday, go on a walk. Evening time, and it's really hard for me to choose, so I guess I'll just choose two. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Throwing your legs up a wall, inverting the legs, takes a lot of pressure off of the heart. Also, if you think about it, we are upright 90% of the day, more like 85% of the day, unless we're sleeping, and then we're supine, we're flat. We rarely ever invert the legs above the level of the heart. And because gravity is a wonderful, very um, helpful mechanism, it allows for the blood to flow from the heart to the feet very efficiently. But the body isn't as efficient as drawing the blood back from the feet to the heart because of gravity. So when you put your legs up the wall, you're flipping the tables. The tables have now turned. You're using gravity as an assisted mechanism to draw the blood more efficiently from the teeny tiny capillaries in the feet and the legs back to drain the blood to the heart. It takes pressure off of the heart. It promotes circulation of the body. And then a good shower. A good hot shower both feels like you're washing the day off of you, but heat is very great for the lymphatic system in the body. It supports um, upregulation of the immune system. And following that heat, if you can, with cold. It puts this body in this state of mechanism called hormesis, where you're allowing for 
the perceived stress in the body. And if you're able to identify a strong, easeful breath in the body and allow the rest and relaxation mechanism of the body, the parasympathetic nervous system to stay on while you're physically stressing the body, amazing things happen. You reduce inflammation, chronic inflammation, chronic pain. Um, you're promoting lymphatic circulation by like literally over 100%. So those are my, my favorite practices. I love it. When you were talking to me earlier offline about cold showers, you were saying too for mental fortitude. And I thought that was yes. such an interesting concept that you could build resiliency by learning to breathe through those moments of difficulty. So if you're in that cold shower and you're freezing, but you're finding still to your point, the ability to stay with your breath and stay present, you know, it, it really does start to build resiliency in the mind and I think how to show up. We are accustomed to doing things that we don't want to do for other people, but rarely do we do things that we don't want to do for ourselves that will benefit the um, overall, elevate our quality of health and wellness within ourselves. So turning that shower knob from hot to cold, it feels so difficult in the <laughs> moment, but after two or three goes of it, two or three days, two or three times you do this, you start to crave it. And that's how I felt about cold showers, that's how I feel about meditation, and that's how I feel about exercise. It's like you start to crave it because the body's mechanism wants to be efficient all the time. The body is only ever working towards maximum efficiency because we are a well-oiled system. For millennia, we've had breath mechanisms in the body. We've been able to um, streamline detoxification in the body. We think like our bodies are rudimentary in form and function, but they are not. It's a long lineage of evolution that's allowed us to to be where we are. And so working in that favor and supporting those 11 systems in the body, um, it's only going to help you in the long run. And with physical clarity comes mental clarity. I love that. Can you tell our listeners too, if they don't know, just a really quick explanation of what the lymphatic system is and why they should care? Absolutely. I would be honored. Excellent. The lymphatic system is the drainage system of the body. Think of it out as the plumbing for yourself. It's what allows for um, it's a, uh, what allows for the scanning and the identification of potential harmful pathogens, bacteria, viral pathogens, materials in the body. When it's able to properly alert and identify potential issues, it can activate the immune system, of which will then send out its army of white blood cells to attack and sacrifice themselves in the line of duty for, um, you know, obtaining and then ridding this potential toxin, bacteria, viral load out through one of the detoxification mechanisms of the body. And it's important to understand that the lymphatic the lymphatic system of the body needs to be supported, but so does the ability for the material to leave the body. So it's really important to understand that um, supporting the detoxification mechanisms is important. And the number one detoxification mechanism is a good, healthy bowel movement. If you are not moving those bowels, you are not moving congestion within the body. Number two, sweat. Your skin, such a large, beautiful, underrated organ. It's necessary for um, the removal of toxins in the body. Um, and then three, it, this isn't like physiologically in order for number three, but my favorite way to help remove plaque from the body is tongue scraping. I love tongue scraping. And once you tongue scrape, you never go back, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> this is what adults have conversations about. Exactly. Bowel movements and tongue scraping. We're like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and while we may not talk about bowel movements, well, we kind of do in like yeah. the built environment. We do talk about like a lot of what you're talking about in terms of biophilic principles. You know, you mentioned uh, how we have uh, human history encoded in our DNA. And <laughs> one of the things that we talk about often is dappled lighting and what dappled lighting can do for the body. It helps calm the central nervous system because it's encoded into our brains because we're back when, you know, humans were on the Serengeti Plains, they were sitting underneath trees where dappled lighting would happen because that was safety for them. Yes. And so that's why we incorporate that into our respite room. So I'm loving how this is all starting to like come together too. Absolutely. And we'd be crazy to say that our direct environment doesn't influence our mental fortitude and our stability because we are ultimately experiencing every moment through the five senses. And so when we are now in, in these enclosed spaces to, uh, to ignore the lighting, the textiles, the materials around you, um, it does a disservice to mm -hmm. the space. And that's why I love what you do. I love what you do. Well, it's like we were talking about earlier. We were talking about tactility and just mm -hmm. like, you know, what you touch and what you feel. Like we as designers, I don't know any designer out there who when as soon as we see a material, doesn't immediately reach out and like mm. touch it. Because we want to know what that sense feels like because it's important, you know, especially if you think about we do multifamily projects and we're putting tile in the showers. Like that touch of tile, especially in a space that's becoming a sanctuary space, is so important, especially now for these hot and cold showers I'm going to be taking tonight yeah. just yeah. to kind of get my body ready. But it is like I, one of the things we talk about in biophilic principles too is also like just holding a stone in your hand, like just feeling the different temperature of that stone and can actually help calm the body down too. Yes, because you're taking yourself out of the thinking mind, the ego-based mind, and you're moving into a sensation-based experience. The moment you allow your thoughts to dissipate into a sensation-based experience, feeling the sweater, the weight of the sweater on my body, feeling the this leather couch press up with an equal and opposite force against my hips beneath me, the softness of the headphones, now I'm present. Now we're here together um, and also I feel like elements that people don't consider are things like dryness humidity heat cool warmth and material textures so I, I love that you even take it that much further um, and also the fact that you're drawing it back to the lineage of human nature is so essential because I say this in almost all of my meditation classes the breath is one of the oldest mechanisms of time it has existed for millennia before humankind and it will exist for millennia after humankind and for us not to take cues from this incredibly naturally intellectual mechanism in the body is again to do ourselves a disservice we have all of these tools and resources around us allow ourselves to interact with them but to open be even more open to receiving feedback biomimicry so on and so forth. Oh my gosh, I literally am putting a presentation together that has biomimicry yes. in it right now. So gosh. we're all right there, Nature but I feel like we're best, getting a little baby. bit off topic here. Not so. at all, this is great, it's just a riff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a well so but we want to talk about building resiliency in other ways too Absolutely. right Sam so like what what is else should we be knowing about and thinking about as we're moving into this roaring 20s after the pandemic I think something we really want to cover today is this idea of this three-step process that we're talking about with you Marina and then also at MA and it's this idea to recognize to strategize and to normalize when we're having conversations about mental health and about building resiliency I think a lot of people felt untouched by mental health prior to the pandemic where they were like oh no depression anxiety those are things that don't ail me and then afterwards, you know, just by the way of the pandemic unfolding and all of the life events that came tributary from that, I think a lot of people suddenly found themselves having symptoms of anxiety, having symptoms of depression, and either A, not knowing what these all of a sudden ghost pains in their bodies were or their inability to sleep was, not realizing it was connected, or then definitely not knowing what to do. So I think something that's interesting is 
people who are listening who are thinking, I don't need meditation. I don't need journaling. I'm fine. I am strong. You can, I think these conversations are, are designed to build this shift of stigma to strength that recognizing your mental health and saying you know what something does feel off you know but okay so let's talk about recognizing that let's start with that first step something I don't think a lot of people realize if all of a sudden you feel really sensitive to bright lights if you are really really sensitive to smells or chemicals or loud noises all of a sudden you find yourself getting really irritated or agitated by loud noises one also if you ever feel this way just asking that every single person is annoying <laughs> and e- everything, even the little things, is driving you nuts, okay? I know I'm sure no one has ever felt that way. Also, if your chest ever feels tight or your heart feels like it's palpitating, like literally beating way harder than it should be at rest, you know? If you ever find yourself running to the bathroom, I know we joked that we're not going to talk about bowel movements, but or not at all. When you're feeling stretched really thin, believe it or not, all of those things are connected. All of those things are signs of low GABA and low serotonin levels, which means stress in your body. Let me give you a couple more examples too, just so that the idea in this recognizing stage is connecting these little random phantom things that have been happening in your life and in your body that maybe you just thought, I'm going through a weird phase. And all of a sudden, I hope after this podcast, you listen and you think, wow, my inability to fall asleep because my mind will not shut off and I can't stop thinking. And also, if all of a sudden you find yourself with cold hands and cold feet and you don't know why, you know. Lastly, if you ever feel like the idea of taking on one more responsibility will literally make you go over the edge. It's just too much to handle. They're all related. Every single thing that I just shared with you, they're all related. So whether it's one, whether it's three, whether it's all of those things that you can associate with and you can identify with, it's related. That means that you have low GABA and low stress in the body. I'll turn it over to Marina after this to explain what that is. I think serotonin is a really common thing that people know about. It's that feel-good, happy hormone. But those are two neurotransmitters that have been linked to anxiety and are commonly low in many people. We are depleted of them right now. In order to enjoy the roaring 20s and all that is the best that's yet to come, we have to build ourselves back up. We have been asked in the last year to withdraw so much mentally, with even withdrawal physically, and we have to spend time now depositing back into ourselves, in our bodies and our minds and our spirits, so that we can really be at this place where we're really full and ready to enjoy the fullness of the Roaring Twenties. So can you explain really quickly what low GABA is and low serotonin levels? So neurotransmitters are like brain food. And we have to understand them as like, um, on a molecular level, it's really important to understand the presence of nootropics and neurotransmitters and their effect on the brain. But on a macro level, it's it's helpful to start to draw relationships between what you're doing and the neurochemical response that it has in the brain. So I'm obsessed with everything that you just said because the first stage that you said is to recognize. The first stage is to recognize. The body speaks in whispers. And if those whispers go unheard for um, an extended period of time, they'll start to get a little bit louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. And this is kind of the culture that we live in right now. Most um, issues at hand don't usually get attention, whether it's economic, political, social, environmental, physiological, until they're cries of desperation. And so we're in this stage now where... um, the body has has a certain threshold of how much it can take of stress. And although those 
initial stages can go relatively mildly symptomatic, like you might not notice a little bit of stress, a minor headache here and there, um, just a, um, a minor stimulation of cortisol, adren adrenaline, norepinephrine, of the sympathetic nervous system constantly ignited in the body. If you go a full year of that, like most of us have, we're going to start to experience the brain fog, the fatigue, um, the maybe the compromised circadian rhythms. Um, and then when we don't supplement or support with, with practices or therapies that upregulate neurotransmitter release in the body, then we start to have a deficit. You said that. You said we are in a deficit, and it's very true. So my initial response to that is find what brings you joy and do more of it. Identify what brings stress into your life and do your very best to minimize it. It's easier said than done, but I know it can be hard if, for example, if you're an, a nurse working night shift and she's, they're coming to me as a um, client and they're saying, I have issues with my um, hormonal regulation or I can't regulate my circadian rhythms. I have brain fog all the time. I'm not going to be like, quit your job and get over it. Right. And circadian <laughs> rhythms, for people who might not know, are your sleep patterns. They're your sleep patterns, but they're what inspire hormonal release and production in the entire body. So a study just came out by Rhonda Patrick that they um, identified that less than five hours per, per, of sleep per evening increases your risk of a neurodegenerative disease by over 50, 50%. What are examples of some of those diseases for our listeners? Dementia, Alzheimer's. ALS, so on and so forth. Neurodegenerative disease is usually the demyelination of that fatty tissue that wraps around your neurons that gives them support and also allows them to receive messaging to take cues, to take um, direction from the physical body. So that's why with neurodegenerative disease, you often see um, poor mobility or um, you know certain mechanisms that don't allow you to move like you once did. Um, so yeah, recognition is essential. Understanding that the happy hormones in the body are released when we do certain things. They're suppressed when we do other things. Creating those relationships in your mind and understanding when I exercise, happy hormones are released like Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. <laughs> Exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. And happy people just don't kill their husbands. Wise. My favorite thing that we just ever quoted 100%. ever on this show. That's good. But, That's balance. That's equanimity. Um, so I also use, um, I take a lot of different amino acids to promote and support nootropic activity in the, in the brain. And um, I do those through supplementation. I add them to my teas, and I also take them um, as a supplement, an oral supplement. Especially if I am under a lot of pressure, I have a little bit of stress, maybe from familial or social relationships. I worked extra that day. I didn't get my full eight hours of sleep. And let's say I had a cocktail the night before. So those are a great combination of you operating at maybe 60% the next day. So you bet your bottom dollar I'm waking up and I'm taking those supplementary, not substitutes, supplementary um, tonics, herbal integrations, therapy, so on and so forth to help get me maybe to that like 80%.
I love that. And we'll link all of these things, too, on our blog when we share some of Marina's best recommendations, including her own line and stuff, because I think it's so interesting. One of the things I love, you're saying that the body whispers so that it doesn't have to scream. And I, we say it a lot of MA with our team here, but this idea that you really need to listen when you're at that two or that three yes, so that you don't get to a 10. Because when you get to that 10 level, it's, it's going to take a lot more intervention. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whatever that is, whether that's full-blown insomnia now, you know, whether that's full-blown autoimmune pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, your back pain is, you're at the brink now of surgery where you could have just very, you know, had you listened to it at that two or that three, it would have taken you know, maybe some some PT or a yoga class or something along those lines. And it's hard. It develops, you have to develop a skill set in order to listen. Yes. Um, so I look at resilience as like the x-axis, this line. And we're always hovering about it, th- uh, above and below it, like a sine wave that's hovering above resilience. Okay, okay, okay. We have excess of heat in the body. Let's um, reduce spiciness and inflammatory foods and let's bring us back to resilience. And then you might dip below. Okay, acid content in the stomach is too low, so we need to increase probiotic and prebiotic rich foods bring us back to resilience but if you're never checking yourself you're just going to keep rising yeah. away and away and away and before you know it you're going to wake up and you're going to have deteriorate or not deteriorate deviated so far away from the path of immune resilience that you're going to be like oh shoot i have a long way back to hike you know mm-hmm. what i mean um this is perfect yeah. too because i think now the next step the three-step process, again, recognize, strategize, and normalize. So now we've recognized. We're saying, okay, I feel like I'm in that two or that three. My sleep feels kind of off whack, or I'm really feeling a lot of these, like, ghost pains in my body, which a lot of people don't know. If you're all of a sudden feeling achy and it's not from a workout, that's anxiety stored in your body. I mean, that is literally physical stress in your body. So, okay, we've recognized it. Now strategize. What do we do? Create routine maintenance. Commit. Set a goal and commit to yourself. Like we talked about earlier, it's really easy to um, allow, allow the obligations of others to pile up into our lives, but rarely do we do things for ourselves, to ourselves, by ourselves, because it's going to elevate your quality of health and wellness. So creating a cutoff time for when you need to go to bed, um, making sure you are hydrated throughout the day. It's so simple, it's so easy, but Lord knows we all just have some weird resistance of drinking enough water. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking enough water throughout the day. Strategize a morning, an evening, uh, a morning, a midday, and an evening practice that could be really easy for you. Morning, getting up, the first thing you do, drinking 16 ounces of water, journaling for five minutes. Midday, at lunch, you take a seven-minute walk. Seven minutes. Evening, elevate your legs in bed against a wall for 10 minutes and then do 10 rounds of breathing before you fall asleep. You would be amazed and hard-pressed to find an individual that would not feel life-changing effects from literally just doing those four things, five things. Well, and I think what's interesting about that is that it, there's also the intentionality that's set with that too. Like you're making a, like you said, you make a routine. Um, I read something that where just the, I, the, from your brain standpoint, when you look at something as an obstacle to overcome versus as something that like as, as a challenge, just by thinking of it as something that you can overcome versus seeing it as something that like is going to weigh you down, your blood vessels don't constrict. They actually expand. They provide better circulation throughout your body. Yes. It actually helps build <laughs> resiliency into your life. Literally, yes. And that's why visualization is everything because you can use your subconscious as a modicum to take that extra step and to help the nervous system prime itself into receiving what it is you want. And that's why I get to over then I have to is is an intention that should be circulating through your mind 
dozens I love of that times a day. so much. I use the five minute journal. I think I've shared this on the podcast before, just because it really sets me up. It has a structure. So I know you're great about free journaling. I love for me that it has the questions that I have to answer. So three things I'm grateful for, three things that would make today great, and then my mantra of the day. So it's great because all of a sudden I'm like, these are the three things, and it might be a really strong mindful workout, or it might be really productive work and feeling fulfilled or whatever. Whatever the three things are, I set my attention. It's wild that the days that I don't do it, I feel so much lost through so much more lost throughout the day as I move through. But then on the days that I do, which are most days at this point, I look back and I'm like, wow, I really set myself up for success. As far as the mantra, I love that idea of the visualization. It's so powerful. And I think a lot of these terms and concepts really throw people because it seems so far out there and a little hippy dippy. But as we start to move into this world of alternative medicine and also just open-mindedness and how it can best support our, our greatest lives and optimal health. It's interesting. I The mantra I've been using a lot lately is life isn't happening to you. Life is happening for you. I love that. It's so interesting, right? That. And all of a sudden, everything around you changes. Yes. And one last thing about strategizing. A lot of um, a lot of anxiety, feelings of anxiety or sen- sensations of depression are often paired with a feelingness um, of chaos. And an antidote to chaos is identifying a goal or intention that you have in your life. So you saying that if I don't do this journal practice, I might feel a little bit more lost throughout the day makes perfect sense to me because when you identify a goal in the mind, you can then set a trajectory from you to get from here to your goal. You're able to find a rhythm of how you move forward. So. Even before identifying three practices you can do every day, what's your end goal? I want to wake up and I want to feel good in my body. That's a great goal. Okay, pick three things, three tangible practices that will get you closer to that goal and start there. Well, so I'd like to ask this question. Um, So... I love this idea of setting routines and intentionality, and that's probably a little bit easier to do right now because we've all had to deal with a year of lockdown and shutdown, right? So we've kind of come to a routine that feels safe for us. As we're starting to reemerge from the pandemic, as we're starting to go back into like these crowded spaces, I know a lot of people have fear and anxiety. I personally do have some fear and anxiety for going back to these crowded spaces. So how can we deal when we're going back into these like more like people thronged environments or even back into the workplace? Like what that might disrupt the routine that we've already created for ourselves? Let's play a role play game. Okay. What do you think? Yeah. Ready? Okay. Here, this is an idea. Okay. I'm going to give you three different scenarios. Okay. You're going to say what people could do to strategize when they're in these moments to Mark's point where they're feeling super overwhelmed. Let's start with the workplace. And then, Mark, I would love you to speak to about how people can utilize their workplace in a way that supports them from a physical built environment perspective. Okay. okay. All right. I love a game, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm ready. All right. You're back in the office. You're so overwhelmed with all the noise and the distractions. There's people around you taking their own personal calls. You're on a tight deadline and you feel like you cannot perform, you cannot produce, what do you do? I like to tell people to create a um, container of which can support their stress. Because the stress may not, your deadline is not going to change, but the ability for you to contain the stress within your personal environment within this moment can be influenced. Something as simple as having a warm, comforting beverage on your desk is very important. Being comfortable in your physical position. So whatever you're sitting or however you're sitting, make sure it's not influencing or inspiring more pain in the physical body because we know that we have a strong relationship to physical pain and mental fortitude in the body. Setting the scene. Set the scene. Listen to something that will inspire you in the moment. I turn to music for inspiration for when I'm in moments 
moments of um, angst. I mean, we've all done that, especially, you know, throughout our younger years when that was more of a piv- pivotal um, point. So that, that would be my, my tips of advice. Slow down the breathing, get control over your nervous system, and you can do so through breathing practices. Give yourself something delightful to drink, get in a comfortable seat, and put on some good music. And then I would just I would jump off of all of that because a lot of people make the misconception of like, if I just push through, then I'm mm-hmm. going to get it all done. You're actually, statistics show that you are actually more likely to make a mistake mm. if you try to push through. That's me. So I think <laughs> what I would encourage you to do from a biophilic standpoint is go find some sunlight, go to like a window, go outside or go outside if you can, and just like be able to bring nature into your body. You'd be amazed at what, um, I think the studies show that like having a, one of those biophilic experiences with just experiencing nature in the built environment can have a positive effect on your body four hours after having that experience. So taking a moment to do that, taking a moment to have a breathing exercise, like we have our respite room. So like I will go in there and I will shut the door and I will just do like a five by five breathing exercise where like I inhale, hold, exhale, hold. So that way you're just kind of like resetting the body. Take a break. It's what's really needed in order for you to be at your best when you're dealing with stress. I love that. And also we didn't even get to tell our listeners, but as a really cool bonus, Marina is actually going to record a 10 minute meditation that's going to be available as a separate episode. It will follow this. So you can use that as one of your tools in your toolkit. So it's a 10 minute only. You could go outside, sit on a park bench, sit in a respite room if your office is cool and progressive enough, sit wherever (laughs) you need to sit. Or maybe that's part of the three things you pick that really are your new routine. You know, it's 10 minutes only. Um, She's getting ready to record this following this podcast, but this meditation is created and designed to instantly reduce stress and anxiety for those times that you feel like you're about to lose it and explode. So you can access it anytime you want from anywhere as an instant resource, like I said, as often as you need it. So I think that'll be a really cool thing too, that maybe if you're in those moments where you're like, I have a deadline in two hours, everyone around me, I'm not used to this environment of being back in the office, hearing all these voices, hearing all these distractions. How am I going to recenter and how am I going to push through by pausing? And so this is your tool now for 10 minutes is all it takes to get you back on track and, and get you resilient and ready. So, okay, I love this. Back to role play. Uh, at the mall. Oh, I love this. There are packed crowds and you are feeling more nervous than ever. Whatever that nerve is driven by, whether it's just the overstimulation, maybe it's still safety precautions, you feel nervous. More nervous than you remember being in a long time. Strategize. What are we doing? I've worked a lot with children and with adults with um, severe social anxiety, chronic anxiety, so on and so forth. And what I have found to work wonderfully across the board for others and for myself is to tap into the senses. Name four things that you can see, three things that you can touch, two things that you can hear, one thing that you can smell. And drop into the senses because... You're perceiving the situation to give you anxiety, but what is the, the physiological response happening in the body through your senses? So you can use your tactile environment to gauge whether or not you're actually in danger because that is why the senses are there. Many, many years ago, we used the senses as a gauge to identify whether we are in danger, if we could hunt for food, if we could find shelter, um, if we could care for our young, and so on and so forth. So identifying whether you're in a... A, uh, physiological danger versus perceived danger and use your senses to ground you ground yourself through your senses well and I would say you know this kind of ties into we've been doing a lot of studies around liminality where liminality is really about the transition spaces that are in between so um, oftentimes if you are um, going from one store to the next 
that space in between is the liminal space that you're mm. experiencing. And sometimes those liminal spaces feel uncomfortable, but just because they're unknowable, you don't know of like the other things that are going to be coming at your way. So if you're in a packed area, you're not sure when somebody's going to like swerve into in front of you, if you're going to have to like stop and pause, if you're dealing with a lot of acoustic separation or acoustic issues that are happening. So what I would suggest is, and it's really important why we as designers need to be thinking about this, like you need to set an end goal. Like you need to set the destination that you're going to. Like that's why we need to have interventions in between to make those liminal spaces more visible and more knowable so that people can feel like um, experiential design is a prime example for that. Like having signage that maybe breaks up a long corridor space or has a space that gives you a destination is really important for wow. you to feel safe in that liminal space. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think too, from a cognitive behavioral therapy perspective, I love the idea of immersion therapy. So maybe if you haven't been to a mall in over a year and a half, don't plan a full-blown yeah. holiday-worthy shopping spree, you know, where you are like, for six hours, I'm going to Easton, and it's going to be great. You know, maybe start small and work your way up and start to build that tolerance back. You know, it's a different tolerance than maybe the way that we've used that word or that idea in the past. But that immersion therapy, I think, is so, so, so crucial as we start to reenter and so as to not overwhelm and listen, ourselves. Yeah. If it's not a place that you, you ultimately want to find yourself in, it's okay. I love that. All right, last one. I think this is really fun. (laughs) You are finding yourself with a really short fuse. All of a sudden, with your loved one or a friend, and you keep getting really, really irritated in a really big way really fast. Strategize. What do you do? I love this. And it's really hard for me to not pull everything back into a physiological sense in the body because that's just like where my heart and my passion is. But likely, if you are got a sharp tongue and a hot temper, (laughs) there's... There are in, there's indication of um, heat, inflammation, acidity in the body. So in Ayurveda, which is a traditional form, traditional modality of ancient medicine that's existed for literally thousands and thousands of years, in order to pacify a symptomology, whether it's in the mind or it's in the body, you bring on the opposing quality. So if I'm feeling pissy and hot and my cheeks are flushing and I'm feeling aggravated and I'm twitching my leg a lot, um, quick to sweat, maybe a little bit more body odor than usual, I'm going to increase cooling therapies. Uh, my favorite um, like food or water version of this is coconut or aloe water. Quite literally, cool yourself from the inside out. Put yourself, Take yourself out of the hot environment that you're in and allow yourself to experience a little bit of wind or coolness and temperature. There's um, my, one of my beloved breath practices called um, shatali. It's the curling of the sides of the tongue like this. And you take in the breath through the tongue and it actually cools the breath as it comes into the body. So focusing on a breath practices that's going to physiologically impact your body temperature. Um, cool yourself from the inside out. That's what I would say. I love that. So I would probably think about this maybe in the home a little bit because um, especially for our Gen Xers who have become in the leadership position and they are the ones who have had to not only lead a company through the pandemic, they've had to maybe take in their uh, their parents so they're living in a multi-generational home. They have had to become a school teacher because they've had children who are uh, not able to get into school um, and all of these things. So they're now needing to prioritize uh, self-care in the home. And so we're talking more and more for like our multifamily projects about creating these sanctuary spaces within the home, which is usually going to become the, the bathroom, right? Because that's a place where usually you can get some separation 
where you can step away. So just be thinking about what are the biophilic principles you can bring in. Some bring in some greenery into your bathroom. Um, bring in like a scented candle. Be able to control the lighting. Control is a huge thing when it comes to being able to calm the central nervous system down. So give yourself more control in the home that you can have those sanctuary spaces. I feel like you and I would just work so well together. Let's do it. Because I love that you are thinking long-term sustainable impact of your direct environment. I. I personally love thinking about how you are affected by your direct environment, but we look at it in such different ways, but I, I, your design perspective is brilliant. Well, thank you. And I mean, obviously we've got our respite room. And so I'd love to maybe just think about like, what's that next evolution of the respite room, especially as we think about like communal spaces, because I think uh, we've got respite rooms for solo, but we also need to think about like what those group spaces are. So maybe we'll do a little after, after podcast chat. All right. Well, so I mentioned Gen Xers, but like there's other generations that we need to Mm -hmm. talk about, like, and some of them may not be as familiar with mental health. So what do you talk about to like the boomers, you know, like, and what have you noticed from your clients uh, of those different generations and how to speak about all of this? Such a great question because um, the geriatric population often gets sidebarred too often. And it's, it's a, an emotional topic because we all have parents, grandparents, um, step parents, whatever, in-laws that we care about so deeply. I have run into many, many resistance, especially when it comes to the supplementation game and the meditation game with the baby boomer specifically. I found it very difficult to, you need a certain amount of buy-in before you do anything. Because if you are about to sit down, if I'm like, okay, Sam, I'm going to take you to the, through this meditation. And you're like, I hate meditation and it's not going to work for me. I'm not going to be like, okay, great. This is going to change your life. I'm going to be like, okay, well, this probably won't have a positive effect on you because of your mindset, because you're priming your mind into thinking that it's not going to have a beneficial effect. So I don't force any therapy or practice. Of course, I mean, force is a very strong word, but I don't highly suggest or try and push any individual, especially older folks into a supplement or therapy that they don't feel is going to positively impact their lives. The therapies that I've had the most effect with increasing resilience is explaining the principles behind hydration and how it positively affects the body. Self-massage. That has been one of the most um, impactful and easiest ways to promote circulation stimulation in the body and um, a, a practice called dry brushing or wet brushing, which helps a lot of the older folks, maybe exercise and daily sweating isn't a appropriate form of routine every day but we still need to decongest the skin and we still need to allow it to detoxify so wet brushing using a hard bristled brush in the shower so i soften it actually a little bit i call it wet brushing um in the shower to support that decongestion of the skin those have been like and it's also like a cup of coffee when you do that i don't know if you've ever done dry or wet brushing but it is a strong stimulation so you're getting your circulatory stimulation your lymphatic stimulation energy um, blood flow to the brain, supporting hydration through the water intake and supporting also the self-love principle that comes with um, oiling and massaging your skin. Well, I think that's that's awesome because I know the conversations, so with our senior living practice, the thing that we keep talking about is longevity mm-hmm. and how people are living longer. You know, I think uh, studies have recently shown that the person who's going to live into their 150s is alive today. Can you imagine that? Like living to 150s. I think the I oldest woman in the world was in her 100s. Hundred... <laughs> Maybe. She is here. Maybe. Me. But I think also. <laughs> you a heard lot it of... here first. 
A lot of people discount our boomers and our older generation. I know. It breaks my heart. Well, what's really interesting, if you look at it, those are the generations, like, because of the pandemic, who had to pivot the most. They had to either, like, completely lock down. But they were the ones who are thriving right now. They've come to accept technology. Like, they were the ones who were like, technology, no. And they're now like, technology, yes. So just because somebody may initially appear hesitant, it sounds like we need to make sure that you're giving them the opportunities to engage in it in a way that is approachable for them. Exactly. Understanding. Helping them understand instead of saying, this is what you need. This is why you need it. That's not a very approachable way to have a conversation with somebody and help them understand. It's like, I think about the classes that I took in high, high school. I just learned because I wanted to get the A and it wasn't until much later that I realized my love for biology and it was because I never really tried to understand because I never felt like there was anyone that was really trying to help me understand and so it's a mission of mine to find out people's interests strengths and issues and to be like okay let's talk about a program or a um, practice literally for you and that's what you do when you see your design clients you're like what do you want where do you want to end up let's find a way to get you from point a to point b best client relationships that we've ever formed are when we take our designs and then we align with them align them with their values and it creates the best spaces too yes so then i think the last part of that three-step approach that recognize strategize is normalize Can you just share what does it mean to normalize mental health or also just resiliency and taking these moments? You know, self-care is not selfish. What does it mean to normalize it? Why is that important? How can we do it? I think this can be answered very simply um, to accept. To accept that we can pacify issues in the body and the mind within the microscopic community that is our biology and ourselves from moving to the familial households, from moving to the community, from moving beyond and so far. My favorite um, quote and piece of advice, (laughs) which sounds silly because it's something that like I thought of in a meditation was when we listen to the needs of the body and we respond accordingly, that is how we heal. To normalize listening and responding. I love that so much. I love acceptance too. I think that is Except, the answer. Yeah. I think a lot of people are so apologetic when they say, I need to take a minute yeah, it's for crazy. myself. Or if people's bodies are falling apart and like, I just need to get a massage. I'm so sorry. What are you apologizing yeah. for? That yeah. you recognize yeah. that, you know, there is something that could be better, you know, that you could be feeling better, doing better, thinking more clearly, whatever it is. But I think that acceptance is the first step. And then unapologetically acknowledging whatever that is and having conversations with others because if you start to have a normal conversation and normalizing these things by saying, yeah, you know, I have my meditation class tonight, that's it on, you know, and honoring it the same way that you would honor a meeting with a client or meeting with any business, whatever, or, you know, even your children, to your point, you know, we do so much for so many others. And then when it comes to ourselves, we have such a different relationship with how we, we prioritize that and how we think about that. So if you just say, oh, I have a, my meditation class tonight, I'm sorry, you know, it won't work out that we can have dinner. What about next Tuesday instead? Whatever, you know, instead of being willing to compromise yourself first at the sake of others, I think that doesn't help, right? But if we normalize it and make this accepted, and then all of a sudden, if I'm saying this to Mark, he's like, wow, okay, that is okay if I say my run on Sunday mornings is my priority, and that's a a non-negotiable for me. You know, that is where I feel grounded and centered and whole, and that's where I build my resiliency and, you know, support my lymphatic system and all of the things. So I think normalizing, it's such an important step and an overlooked part of that process. So I love that now we've covered that whole three-step process, recognizing, strategizing, and normalizing. And I love all the 
bits and parts that, you know, fall into that with acceptance and with the acknowledgement and with just the understanding and, and living unapologetically in a way that is really, really going to set you up for your greatest success. So you can then support others. You have to put your oxygen mask on first. We are no good to anyone if we're not good to ourselves. So I love this so much. When's your book coming out? <laughs> <laughs> We can can I write it. the foreword? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel the same about you. This is great, you guys. <laughs> Stay tuned. You heard it here first. <laughs> okay, Mark, I'll hand it to you for your final question of the podcast, even though I'm very sad to, to see this one go. I know. We're coming to the end of our show, so I know we could probably talk for the next hour and a half, but I have one final question, and it's one that I ask everybody. So, Marina... Uh, as a futurist, I look for like signals and drivers. So drivers are like the big world forces and signals are like the little microscopic things that are events that are underneath the, those drivers as an umbrella. So what are the drivers of change that you're seeing right now that will have a positive effect on either holistic medicine or just our practice as humans in the next five to 10 years? People are asking more questions than they ever have asked. And with knowledge comes great power. And with communal knowledge comes strength within groups and organizations. So there's this um, desire to rally together and people are starting to pick up on that. Like I'm working with um, uh, a group to create a functional medicine offering in Columbus because that is what we're hearing the community wants and the community needs. So I feel like the true driver is the questions that are being asked and for the first time ever, Many years ago, it was, oh, we don't ask those questions, or, oh, we don't do that here. We don't, th this is unprecedented times. We ask every question, and we're demanding answers. So it's a very empowering time to be alive. I feel honored to be a young person in this time because nothing is unattainable. We can, we're seeing science explore areas that we've never imagined and so people are getting on board with these initiatives and we're demanding more um, for ourselves. I could not agree more. I mean this is this is an inflection point in history where once we are done with this era or this moment we're going to be completely different and we're going to come away from it and I love the idea that what we're going to be doing is building better communities from it mm. by asking better questions. Yes. Well, that's our show. Thank you for being here, Marina. We hope our listeners found a way to build something new into their routine today. These are the innovations that can help our listeners find inspiration in their own lives by thinking ahead and creating change. We hope to hear more about these innovations in the days, weeks, and months to come. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at ma-architects.com, where we have The Future is Now Up and Running, and we just released a new blog post about ways that the workplace and stress actually relate to productivity, relate to engagement, relate to flexibility, all of the things that our leaders need to be knowing right now. And if you'd like to have a conversation with me, feel free to reach out. My email address is markb at ma-architects.com. If you like what you heard today, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, like it, review it, tell us what you want to hear about, so you can be the first to hear about what is coming in terms of innovation and trends from three to five years ahead. Once again, I'm one of your hosts for Make It Innovative, Mark Bryan. And I'm Sam Muller. I hope you can find the change you want to be to allow innovation to thrive in the way you live.
Marina, if people are interested in keeping up with you and learning more, how where can we find you in Columbus and in the virtual world? You can find me in Columbus. <laughs> um, that's where I reside. I teach at Paloma meditation classes, and I teach for Radiant Yoga and Wellness in Worthington. That's a virtual class offering for now. However, if you'd like to work with me or talk more with me, I teach lots of workshops, and I love collaboration of any kind. You can find me at Stardust Standard but it's spelled Stardust Standard. So the S and the T are sharing. The last part of Stardust and the first part of Standard. Um, It was an honor to be here, and I'd love to hear from any and all of you that would like to talk more.